Hello and welcome to the Alien Minute Podcast, the daily podcast where we carefully dissect the movie Alien one minute at a time. I'm John Ingle. And I'm Mitch Bryan, and today we're looking at Minute 38, which begins with Ripley asking, how is he, and ends with closing Kane inside some sort of medical scanning gadgety thing. Right. Futuristic space cat scan. Right. Space MRI, that's it. There we go. Uh, and we're again joined by Wes Anthony. How, how's it going today, Wes? Very good, thanks. Glad to be here. We're glad to have you back. I suppose we should open this minute. We occasionally, um, we have like a semi-regular segment that we do on the show when there's an important moment that either was or was not in the director's cut, the 2003 director's cut of Ridley Scott's Alien. And this is a pretty big moment that appears or reappeared, considering it was originally shot and intended for the movie, in the 2003 version. And Mitch... Ripley walks in to this corridor after having refused entry to Dallas, Lambert, and Kane. And what happens? Lambert walks over and smacks the shit out of her, just out of the blue. Absolutely cold cocks her. It's, it's quite a, a huge emotional outburst. Now, how do we feel about this, considering how they've set up Lambert as a character up to now? Do we think this is too much? Do we think this could have been an appropriate response for her? Do we like that it was cut? Do we wish it would have stayed? Wes, how do you feel about it? I really don't think it was out of the blue. There's a couple of clues there. Well, there's there's a clue, and then, of course, the most immediate thing is that when they want to get back into the ship, I mean, Lambert really wants to get back in and wants uh, Ripley to open that hatch, and she won't do it. Um, And actually, this is why I wish that one moment had been left in the film. I I like it when Lambert uh, smacks Ripley upside the head. Because go back to much, much earlier in the film when they've all been awakened and they don't know where they are and they don't know why and they don't know what's going on and they've all taken their positions at their various consoles and they realize that they are not anywhere near Earth. And there's a very telling exchange between Ripley and Lambert. And it's it's just, it's in the tone of voice, basically because Ripley says, that's not our system. And Lambert responds with, I know that. And it's that... That very short exchange and that very deliberate sort of sing-songy delivery that Ripley gives Lambert and Lambert gives it right back to her. Without the smack, you, you wouldn't necessarily think about it again. But you think about it now and think about that maybe there is some kind of simmering conflict that has been going on underneath you know, with these two characters for some time. And we just haven't been aware of it. But that little exchange between those two characters, that little tiny bit of dialogue, and that's one of the things that I like about Alien very much is the way the, char- the, 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 the screenwriters are able to really paint in, in sort of broad strokes, but not without subtlety, you know, who these characters are and what their attitudes are and the way they interact towards each other. And that little conflict... That, that, or that, that little exchange between those two characters, I think that speaks to some kind of conflict between the two of them that has been sort of bubbling under for a little while now. And then once you get to the point where they want to get back into the ship and Ripley won't let them in, I think that's the thing that really just sets Lambert off. That's what I think is going on there. I, I think you're absolutely right. I, I I think that it's it's such a strong thing between these two, and it's it's hinted at so so subtly, but it's there. Uh, and so I, I wouldn't say it's out of the blue. I would just say that it's probably not what the scene is about. 
And I think that it creates a catharsis, that a release that maybe maybe isn't right for the moment and definitely escalates a, a, a tension between the two of them that never really goes anywhere after that. Yeah, I, I, I didn't intend to say that this there wasn't anything behind this. The, we discussed the strife, the apparent strife between them and the, on the, the bridge of the ship earlier, but I, I don't... I don't buy the physical outburst from Lambert and the fact that it never resurfaces again. I don't see what this contributes to her characterization is what I mean. Like at no point later does this, is this building on anything new about Lambert? Uh, she basically has this outburst smacks Ripley in the face and then goes right back to this insular, afraid, scared, emotional character. And I, I don't know if it could, I think it's a good cut personally in that it never really contributed much more than just a payoff for that earlier scene. But of course, West, you're entitled to your opinion. <laughs> yeah, I'm just, I, I think I, I feel more for Lambert than I do most of the other people in the movie. Hey, I'm with you there, actually. I'm a, uh, I'm a proponent of Lambert. I'm a big Cartwright fan, just as you are, as we discussed in the last minute. I love this character, and, and Mitch and I talk you know, at length about how she is uh, very much the audience surrogate. She's the one that's actually afraid. She's the one that's actually questioning whether they should be doing the things they're doing while everyone else seems to just be about business. So I'm a big fan too. I just not a big fan of that smacking moment. You know, it's funny you saying that reminds me of that, that there was a clip in one of those Goldsmith interviews where Jerry Goldsmith confessed to not liking any of the characters in the movie. He thought they were sort of a horrible bunch of people. Wow, well, I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> but I think that's what he said. I think he said, he said, he thought, I think he said they were horrible. Some, some definitely pejorative term that was pretty funny. The only out-and-out unlikable person in, in the whole crew is, uh, is Ash, really. And it's just something about because just because he's so cold and dispassionate and emotionless. That it's, you can't get a handle on the guy. Everybody else, you know, I, I mean, Dallas... Uh, you you don't get he is he is a little bit inscrutable, but he's still at least recognizably human. So uh, you know I don't I don't dislike him, but at the same time I don't really have like a whole lot of sympathy stored up for him. Uh, you know, Kane seems like a nice guy. Lambert again is very sympathetic. Ripley, of course, uh, as the movie goes on and she sort of you know comes to the fore, uh, of course you're you're rooting for her, but from the outset. Um, it's it's really Parker and Brett who are the, the the characters that I align with the most. I agree. They're they're because they're so human. You know, they're just they're warts and all truthful human characters. They're they're the low men on the totem pole. They're they're the the you know, the grunts basically, and they're, they're the characters that I identify with the most. Is that you know they're they're down at the bottom and they're just you know grumbling about uh, you know, you know, people uh, up above them. They 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 got it all. They got it all going on, and and we're down here uh, dealing with steam and whatnot and. And they're they're dissatisfied with their lot in life. Uh, it's, it's it's just something that I, I can relate to, and I'm sure a lot of other people can as well. Well, it's interesting that you brought up Dallas and and his character and how he's uh, portrayed in this, how he, how Tom Skerritt portrays him, uh, because I think that the, that's there's an interesting bit going on here with his character, where we've talked in prior minutes about him being a pretty cool guy, like he's very cool under pressure. Whenever they're landing on the planet. And things go wrong with the ship. He doesn't seem affected by it at all. But now with Kane laying in front of him with this face hugger hugging his face, I think he's cracking. Uh, there's a lot. His voice is raised. He's asking quest curt questions. His body language uh, 
seems kind of panicky to me. And that makes me wonder if maybe shouldn't we also be panicking a little bit? We've seen this guy be a cool character throughout the movie up to now, but as an audience, should we now start being getting really worried? Is is Dallas kind of leading us into this, you know, horror movie trope of of you know being scared as an audience for the crew? Yeah, there there is a bit of that, I think. Because there's there are definitely moments where it seems like he's reacting a little more hot-headed than than perhaps he should. But then, given the circumstances, you can kind of understand why. Although, you know, as someone who is a leader, it's really not very becoming. It's it's kind of it's exactly the sort of thing that like a, a somebody lower down on the lower rung, like Lambert. I mean, yeah, you you're gonna forgive Lambert, you know, getting all all panicky and 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 whiny. But then the guy at the top, the guy who was running the show, Dallas, uh, yeah, he really shouldn't, he really shouldn't be cracking. Because uh, I, I, I'm thinking about a scene uh, a little later on where somebody, it, Ripley is commenting on how, oh, you know, oh, you know, Brett, whatever Parker says, you say right. And, and Brett, of course, says right. And Dallas kind of goes off on him and it just says, hey, everybody knock it off or something like that. And it's like, well, what, you don't have to you don't have to react that harshly to, to what Brett is doing because all he's doing is just, you know, he's just kind of basically just kind of sassing back to Ripley, just saying, right. Cause you know, that's what she's uh, giving him a hard time about. So of course that's what he's going to do. And then it, his reaction seems a little too hot for that. But, yeah. uh, and, and yeah, it, it could be a sign that, you know, maybe he's, he's not doing too well, but that's exactly what, I mean, like I said, I can, I can expect something like that coming from Lambert or Parker or even Ripley to an extent, but Dallas should not be doing that. Well, and to make matters worse now, Ash decides he's going to try to just pull the thing off of Kane's face, and, uh, and, and we get another shot, which I actually think may even be a recirculated shot from the same moment of just as the B camera of that um, snake-like tail tightening around his throat, and the camera sort of zooms in on it, which may be the B camera covering it. Um, We've already seen this happen once before, but now it really means something. Now it's like you're not going to be able to pull this thing off without strangling the guy, which raises the stakes in the room, probably puts Dallas even more on edge. And so now they decide finally, you know, that they're going to have to put him in this in this examining machine. And at that point, cooler heads prevail out in the corridor. Um, Parker says, why don't you just freeze him? Why don't you guys just freeze him? And <laughs> nobody seems to be listening to him or, or everyone's ignoring him. Right. And I I think I agree with him 100%. Yeah, me too. I think that's absolutely the right decision, but nobody seems to care. And I think it partially it's because I think Dallas has come a little unhinged. I think he's deferring entirely to Ash. And I think Ash doesn't have any intention of making the right decision here. Yeah, his reluctance to remove the thing right off the bat is the first indication that his motives are, are not entirely above board, but then his reluctance to freeze Kane as well, then that, that seems even more hinky to me I can understand if you, if you, if you're afraid to take the thing off of him, okay, I, I can, I can buy that kind of, but then if, if you're not even going to, you know, put the guy in suspended animation or whatever it is that they, they're gonna, they do to you, uh, that that seems more than a little weird because at the very if you're not going to take the thing off and kill it then at the very least you want to lock it away from everybody else. I totally agree. Yeah, things are not looking good for the crew at this point. They're all falling apart. Yeah, nobody's listening to anybody. <laughs> well, I guess that's probably a good time to move on to minute number thirty nine. Unless you've got something else, Wes. 
Uh, nope. Nope. I'm okay. Well, uh, you can find us at alienminute.com or follow us at alien minute pod on Twitter. You can also, uh, subscribe to us on iTunes. Leave us a review there if you want. Um, and you can also subscribe on Stitcher. Wes, you want to tell them again where they can find you? Uh, you can find my podcast musical notation on battleshippretension.com where I'm part of the battleship pretension podcast fleet. You can also, uh, subscribe to it and download it on iTunes and Stitcher and Google play. I'm on there as well. You can follow that, uh, podcast uh, on Twitter at NotationPod, and you can follow me on Twitter at Dr. West Anthony. Well, that's going to do it for Minute 38. We'll see you tomorrow for Minute number 39.